0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. How much do you know about personal finance? Things like KiwiSaver or getting a home loan. If the answer is, mm, I don't actually know that much, then check out this next program, Finance Made Easy is a podcast series based on workshops held at Plains FM that explore everything from debt consolidation to buying your first home. Elise Vine is a financial advisor from Building on Basics who loves to chat about personal finance. This episode features spending plans and budgets.
1: So, hi, my name's Elise Vine. Um, I'm a financial advisor. I have a company called Building on Basics. So what a financial advisor does in New Zealand is it is somebody that is an interface between the lenders, the insurance companies, the investment companies, KiwiSaver companies or providers and uh, we, our job is to help to educate people on finance and how they access it or help them to manage their risk, help them to do plans for saving for retirement so um, we don't necessarily uh, have the money but we have access to money through the various lenders. We don't um, pay the insurance but we have access to the insurers to help protect you and manage your risk. So there's as a financial advisor there's a couple of things that I need to talk about and one of them is uh, the disclaimer so that you understand what I'm here to talk about and how that all works. So I'm just going to read this out. So the disclaimer is, uh, the information given during this this workshop is for information and education purposes only and is not specific advice. My name is Elise Vine and I'm a financial advisor. My company Building on Basics Limited and I am registered on the Financial Services Provider Register. To help find out other important information about me and my company Building on Basics, go to our website www.buildingonbasics.co.nz and look at the important info. This explains the services that I provide and how, am I, how I am paid, along with other important information like our complaints process and our privacy policy. So that's the most formal part that we're going to go through today. And today is workshop number two in our series Finance Made Easy. And the topic is spending plans and budgets. So, let's get started. Spending plans are another name for budgets. We'll get to why we call them spending plans shortly. But let's start with a few questions: Why bother to have a spending plan or a budget? What is your money attitude? <laughs> Horrible is not a money attitude. It's um, but uh, thank you for that feedback. Um, are you naturally a spender or a saver? Yeah, savers, spenders, about half and half within the room. That's great. Okay, right. So, but the biggest question we've got is: Why earn money? To survive, so we can buy things, yeah absolutely, and the thing is that most of us overthink this, why do we earn money, it's one simple reason, to spend, okay, The, the saying money makes the world go round is pretty bang on, without money you can't buy things to pay for rent, you can't pay for food, it doesn't give you many choices, so money gives you the choice, And how much you have can, and how much you earn can determine some of the choices that you have. But we're going to talk more about that as we go through this topic. Do you think the amount that you can spend is limited by the amount that you earn currently? Yes, we need to be able to spend within our income and our earning potential. Is there the possibility that we could increase our income? Sometimes it's as simple as asking their boss for a, for a pay rise and you'd be surprised at the uh, number of uh, employers at the moment that may be uh, interested in giving you a pay rise because the cost of replacing you is and that there's no other people in, in the market for them to employ may be the opportunity that they, uh, for you to actually ask that. If a business is under stress, though, they may wish to pay you more, but they may not be able to afford to. And that's a fine line that some businesses have to, have to juggle. So, it all starts with income. Everyone has different uh, needs, and everyone is different. Your situation, attitude and needs and resources are most lo- likely not the same as those of your neighbour. So we've got a spender and a saver sitting next to each other. So um, we can see that there, there are. Uh, we know already that they're not the, not the same. <laughs> right? It is possible that in your, in your relationship, you may have one of you that has a spender attitude and one of you that has a saver attitude. And that makes for some interesting conversations. So income. We earn an income. And in New Zealand, there are many ways to earn an income. It might be that we're working for ourselves. It could be that in our own business, we could be operating as a contractor, working for somebody else, and which means we're potentially a sole trader, or we might have a company that we're contracting through. Others might be receiving income from a benefit. It could be the job seeker benefit, could be a disability allowance, it could be a pension. Okay, in New Zealand, we are privileged to be able to have a government that provides us with systems to support support us. We're not going to go into whether those benefits are sufficient or not because that's a topic for another day, and um, it's far too political for what we what, what we're going to be discussing. Okay. Some households have a combination of income. Somebody might be on a benefit, somebody might be um, studying and getting a student allowance, somebody might be employed and somebody else might be running their own business. Okay? Somebody might be working and employed and the other partner may be a stay-at-home mum or dad and not, um, because their partner is earning too much money they don't qualify for any other benefits. It can be complicated, if you are on a benefit, to figure out what you're entitled to. But by going to Work and Income, or uh, the website, you can figure out there's some tools there that can help you to understand what you're entitled to. And then going in and talking to people at at Work and Income can also help you uh, figure things out. The problem is sometimes we're entitled to more than we actually realise. So if you don't ask the right questions, you may not get all that you're entitled to. So using resources such as the Work and Income website, you'll be able to um, see what you may be able to access and and might better arm you to be able to go in for having those meetings. As an example, we're gonna talk about a couple without children that are earning the job seeker so potentially these are people that have just finished doing some study or um, and they're out there looking for work and there's a heap of things that are available for employers to help people get into stuff like the mana and mahi grants for the employers and they can actually help the employee come on board as well. But if we're just a a job seeker, we're looking for um, work, we haven't found anything just yet the base benefit per couple is $462.14 before tax. That's joint. Okay. If we assume the M tax rate, that's $413.62 after tax, jointly, per week. It's not a lot of money. There are special conditions which apply, which may mean that you're also entitled to an extra $251.62 for the special, special benefit. You may also be entitled to the accommodation supplement, which uh, ranges from $80 to $235, depending on which area you, area you are in. So a possible household income could be $899 after tax per couple per week, if we uh, qualify for, all, for the maximums of everything. That seems like a lot. But if you're paying rent of 400, 450, that easily gets eaten up. One of the common gotchas that people have is that they do their budget based on how much they earn. So they earn a salary of 60,000. And they use that full 60,000 for doing their budget. And one of the key components that they miss out on is that thing that people dread that is unavoidable Like death, taxes. So, let's take a look at a couple of examples. Let's say that we're using earning $60,000. And I've used the resource paye.net.nz. And on that resource, I can type in how much I'm earning per annum. Or I can put in my hourly rate and the number of hours that I'm working. I can select to see whether I have KiwiSaver and set my KiwiSaver contribution amount. I can set whether I've got secondary income, whether I've got student loan, or if I'm working less than 40 hours. There's a whole lot of things that I can select in there to help me figure out how much tax I'm paying and how much I'm actually gonna take home in my pocket. So using the example of $60,000 per annum, we end up paying tax, or pay as you earn tax, P-A-Y-E, of $11,020 per annum. That works out to $211.92 per week. We're earning $1,153.85, and of that, $211.92 is going towards tax. There's also an ACC levy which gets taken out of our wages as well. And ACC is Excellent Compensation Corporation. And in New Zealand, we're pretty privileged. If you have an accident, we've got this organisation called ACC, which helps to uh, helps aid us with the recovery from the injury and helps us get back to work, okay? And it's paid for out of our wages, and if we're self-employed, we also need to pay towards ACC. If we were doing 3% for KiwiSaver, on a weekly basis, that would be $34.62. So even though our gross pay, so before tax, was $1,153.85, the amount that we can actually take home and, or that goes into our bank account is $891.27 a week. That's quite a significant difference when we're looking at it from a uh, money in the account when, we were doing the, when we're doing our budgeting or spending plan. So from a 60k salary... If we were doing our budget on the sixty thousand and thinking we had all of that sixty thousand, our actual per annum take home pay is $46,346. dollars. We're just under seventeen thousand short from what we thought we were going to have to spend. Sorry, thirteen just over thirteen thousand short from what we were gonna we thought we had to spend. Our effective tax rate is 19.76%. And I'll talk about what the difference between an effective tax rate and, a, and the real tax rate is as we go in, in, in a few minutes. If we're earning 150k, and there are many professions within New Zealand where people are earning 150k or over 100,000, the difference here is that we um, earn 150k and we take home 103k. So if we were doing our budget on the 150k, we are in significant difficulty if we haven't accounted for our tax, ACC and KiwiSaver. The effective tax rate for somebody earning over 150,000 is 28.16%. Total was
0: 33.
1: 33%, yeah. So we're going to talk about that and so we think that um, if we earn over 70,000, we pay 30% in tax. But we've got a tiered tax system and we're going to talk about that in, in just a minute which will explain how that comes through. Why am I starting all talking about income? I'm starting talking about income because as we say, we want to be spending less than we are earning. Okay. So what we not only do we want to be spending less than we're earning, we want to be spending less than we're taking home in our pay. If we're spending more than we're taking home, then we're going backwards. So we'll be eating into savings or getting into debt. And this is one of the things that we'll talk about next week or next time is debt consolidation, where people find themselves trapped in that debt con- debt cycle. If you're self-employed, so what I've been talking about here is if you're earning the 150 k or the 60 k as an employee, This paye.net.nz system is great for helping you to figure out how much tax you're going to be paying. It's also good if you're self-employed to give you a bit of an idea for how much tax you need to be setting aside and how much ACC you might need to set aside. But as a self-employed person, and what is a self-employed person? Let's go back and start right at the beginning. You're self-employed if there's nobody else paying your wages apart from you. Okay, So if you have a company and you're taking drawings or taking a shareholder salary, but nobody's taking any tax on the way through, then you're deemed to be self-employed. If you are working in your own name and you're um, receiving money, but you're not paying tax, then you're self-employed. And often we do that as a sole trader. There are many Uber Uber Eats, Uber drivers, Ola drivers, um, cleaners, all sorts of people that are doing many of those often thankless tasks that uh, where they're working for themselves and they're often not aware that they need to be paying tax. If they're earning over $60,000 or invoicing out over $60,000, then they should be GST registered, um, which means then GST is goods and services tax. This is not a tax... Conversation, so we're going to limit this to the high level, but there's a lot of things that people need to be aware of when we're talking about being self-employed. There's also ACC levies, and if you've got a company, you've got to pay employer levies as well as, or company levels, director levies, as well as your earning levies. Okay, So it gets quite complicated in terms of what you need to do. Some contractors have withholding tax taken out of the income that they earn, so some taxes prepaid for them, but they still have to do their own tax return. It's really important if you're a, a, an Uber driver, Uber Eats, or if you're working for yourself in whatever form of self-employment that you're doing, that you seek a prop, proper accounting advice to make sure that you're paying the right amount of taxes, levies, and um, that you're not going to get hit with a bill um, for unpaid taxes and huge penalties for not paying your taxes. Knowing who to ask is often the most complicated thing. So let's look at the tax rates and the way that things are worked, worked out. So in New Zealand we have a tiered tax system. The first $14,000 that you earn is taxed at 10.5%. The money that you earn from $14,000 and $1,000 through to uh, 48000 is taxed at 17.5% which is why you have an effective tax rate when you look at it. So it's not um, I earn $48,000 or I earn $47,000 that my tax rate is 17.5% because a portion of the money that I have earned has been taxed at 10.5%, the first 14000 okay? Between $48,000 and $1 through to 70000 we then get taxed at that, 70, uh, at that 30%. Okay, Between $70,000 and $1 through to 180000 we get taxed at 33%. If we're earning more than $180,000 uh, $180, and $1, we've got a new tax rate that's come in, and that's at 39%. So, so if you earn between 48000 and 70000 mm-hmm. you get taxed at 17.5%. So I'm going to do an example um, just now. So let's take an income of 60k. The first 14 is taxed at 1470 dollars. That's the, the tax you pay on at first 14,000. The next 34,000 takes you to 5,950. At seventeen point five percent, the next, the final twelve thousand, which takes you up to up to sixty thousand, is three thousand six hundred. So the total tax that we paid is eleven thousand and twenty dollars. It's kind of complicated to see, but if you go back, and if we go back to when we were talking about the sixty thousand, we see here that it's eleven thousand and twenty is what we paid for the tax. Um, per annum based on the 60000 okay? So there's calculators on the IRD website and through the paye.net.nz, which will help you to figure out how much taxes. And on the paye.net.nz site, it gives you an effective tax rate.
2: Um, Just the rate depends on the number of jobs that you do. Let's say I do three jobs and I have like three different incomes. Uh, do they charge for the total or do they charge based on the first employment, and the second employment?
1: That's great. So um, what they do, so the question is, how if you've got more than one job and multiple jobs, whether it be two or three jobs, how do they figure out what the tax is? So when you first start your employment, then you sign a, uh, tax, declaration. a tax declaration form, an IR 330, Uh, And that form signifies whether this is your primary source of income, so your main job, tax code M, whether you have a student loan, whether you have, um, uh, or whether it's secondary income. Uh, And when they talk about secondary income, they don't know whether it's your second job, third job, fourth job, or whatever. But what they do know is it's not your main source of income. Okay, so your main source of income will be taxed at that standard tiered tax rate. The secondary income uh, will be taxed at a slightly higher rate because they don't know how much you're earning in your first job. Okay, so if you're working that second or third job and you're earning um, uh, extra money, and this is why the paye.net.nz site is great because it allows you to stick in there your, the amount you're earning from your secondary income. Okay? If you are being taxed at a secondary income rate and you're still within the same, salary, uh, same uh, wage bracket, then you can often find yourselves with a tax credit, so a refund at the end of the tax year because you're being overtaxed on your secondary income. Does that make sense? So it it depends on your particular circumstances and how much you're earning from the different jobs. But what you want to do is the job that you're earning the most income from, you want to make sure that is your M tax bracket. If you start to do more hours or get a pay rise and you're starting to earn more at one of your secondary jobs, it may be that you need to adjust your tax codes and make that second job actually your primary job and your secondary your other job which was your main source of income a secondary secondary job and this is one of the things that often um, people who are starting to do some part-time work as their while they're studying the student allowance might be their main source of income but they then uh, start to do some part-time work and they're starting to earn more from their part-time work than they are from their student allowance. So then they then need to make sure that their job is set up as their primary source of income and the student allowance becomes their secondary income. The same if you're on the job seeker benefit because you're allowed to earn a certain amount but in, uh, and then your job seeker benefit or your um, benefit support decreases over time as you start to earn more on your from your employment. Okay. So that was a that was a great question. So um, is
2: if you sell quite regularly things on marketplace for example or trade
1: me, but they're your belongings or you know, but it's regular, is that considered as an income? I can't answer that, so the, great question again. So if you're selling things on Trade Me or Marketplace and they're you your own possessions, uh-huh. um, is that considered uh, an income? Oh, because they're just kind of income. Yeah, they're just things that, so you might do uh, a, a clutter clear and just um, sell excess um, things that you had lying around or um, you might actually be buying things and selling things, right? So I can't answer that one specifically, and that's a question for the IRD or for an accountant to help you to figure out, depending on your specific circumstances. But uh, one of these things, uh, that's a a great question in terms of uh, answering one of those common gotchas and mistakes that people have in that I don't have to declare everything that I earn. This is not true. If you don't declare things that you're earning, and selling a an unwanted gift on TradeMe or Marketplace, if it's just the odd thing, is definitely not deemed income. Okay, um, but if you are selling uh, things, buying things regularly and selling them, then that could be deemed an income. And the IRD um, employed a whole bunch of auditors to go through and track people's sales on TradeMe Marketplace and any of those sorts of places. And they then went around and um, contacted them and did an audit audit of their taxes. And some of them then ended up with penalties because they hadn't declared income. And some of them ended up with um, you know, very big tax bills to go with it. The other one is that there's often, as tradespeople, they often do a cash job. One of the things that they do is uh, the IRD again uh, employed some auditors and they went around different development sites, picked up all the numbers off the trade vans that were around and then did audits of them to make sure that the income that they were earning from those jobs was being declared. Okay. The investment of, um, I think it was back in 2006 that the uh, government invested an extra million dollars in auditors and they had some phenomenal return out of it that they employed additional auditors to uh, further get to get further gains sorry you had a question
2: I was to ask is there a limit for like on that income let's say if you have um, income more than hundred dollars which is not declared that's going to be uh, a trouble for you or um
1: Okay, so there are so the question is is there a limit that you yeah. that you can earn without needing to declare it as income? So from the IRD's perspective, there are certain things that you can earn without needing to declare. But again, I'm not an accountant, so I'm not going to give any advice around that and you need to seek the appropriate advice and support for that. I do know that at one point that you could earn um rent or um, border income of around 220 a week and the the government wasn't interested in it I wonder if they're now going to be interested in it with the changes since the 23rd of March um, but again you're going to need to seek the appropriate accounting support um, to make sure that you're paying and declaring what you need to okay the IRD um, despite what people might think are actually very helpful at answering questions like that um, and because they don't want to waste their time processing things that they don't need to and they know what the rules are really clearly. Um, but sometimes the, the free advice that you get around the barbecue can actually be quite a significant bill for you later on if that advice is not correct. So these are great questions that you guys are all asking.
2: Just a comment about the auditing. I was a little bit surprised but uh, some countries that are more developed than New Zealand...
1: Technologically
2: wise, they have they don't need to hire auditors because they already have systems that cross
1: all the data. So yeah, we we ha- in New Zealand we have um, both. So we employ uh, auditors through the um, uh, IRD and work and Income and those systems. And uh, as we are, as the technology and systems integration is improving and the communication between the banks. And uh, what the IRD and the banks require us to, I uh, require to, yeah, trade me and all of those uh, things, and intergovernment agency um, connections and uh, information like um, what they're earning on from the benefits and the IRD. There's lots more interactions and information being passed across to the government, uh, where um, private institutions have to provide information. Um, And that is, those cheques are going in in place, but there's still lots of different ways to slip around the systems. Right, okay, so let's get into the topic. We've been talking about income. Let's talk about the topic that we're actually here to talk about today. Spending plans versus budgets. So, budget. Money coming in versus money going out. And the feeling that we have around the word budget, um, I heard some squeals as we even mentioned the word, people are shaking their head and, um, and going, yuck, uh, don't like the sound of a budget. But when we think of the phrase spending plan, what sort of um, vibe do we have? Is it positive or negative? Could be both. Yeah, it could be positive, could be negative, but it is, has a better feeling about it because we've got a plan and we're spending. And who doesn't love spending? even a saver likes to spend right we just don't yeah so a saver likes to spend but they like to spend on the things that they've saved for and that they've got the money there for a spender not so much bothered with how much they've earned let's just spend it anyway because I like it okay so it's and I need it I must have it whether it is a need or not okay so the difference that I'm talking about here is our attitude to the money and resources we've got. Okay? Spending plans are about having a, making a conscious decision as to where we use our resources before we actually use the resources. Okay? A spending plan is about saying that um, I'm earning 60000 and I have a spending plan that has me uh, spending 70000 Is that a problem? We would think yes. Could be? Maybe not. It might be that, um, okay, if I'm intending to spend $70,000, I need to do something to increase my income so that I can have the life and the lifestyle that I want. One of my um, mentors in my early days is Laurel Langmore, And she has a phrase which says, if you want a latte, what are you prepared to do for that latte? So if I want that 70000 lifestyle and I'm only earning a $60,000 income after tax, remember, not before, then what am I prepared to do to increase my income by that $10,000? Do I need to get a second job? is there something else that I can do to ge- regularly generate that extra $10,000? Now here's where the, 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 the problems come. Is If we start living that $70,000 lifestyle before we've actually earned the or have got a guarantee that we've got that extra $10,000 in income coming in, then we could find ourselves in trouble. So we always need to be doing our spending plan based on what is the minimum that we're going to, what the maximum, sorry, the minimum that we're going to bring in, okay? So underestimate our income and then overestimate our expenses, okay? It's one of the good tips to help you make sure that you're working within your budget or spending plan. At Building on Basics, we've got a, a an approach where we Work with people. Hang on, let's go back. So, money attitudes. So before we talk about where the money goes, we need to understand what your attitude to money is. Are you a spender or a saver? Within a household, you may have someone who is a saver and someone who is a spender. One person for the main part may be dealing with all the accounts and bills, or it may be a split effort. Working together in the household finances can create tension when one is wanting to save and the other is busy spending. There are also many reasons where finances are not joined due to blended families or where one person has unhelpful spending habits or addictions. When looking at the household finances, if you can understand your attitude and approach to money and work with your partner in a way that also respects their attitude and approach, regardless of whether you agree or not, that is going to be very helpful. At Building On Basics, we've got the approach of No judgement. We are who we are and we can't necessarily change that. We can set up systems and processes to help support us to work within our natural way of being. So if we are a spender, we make sure that you don't have credit cards and we don't have access, oh don't give me that look, don't like that idea. Okay, so (laughs) what? So if you have, uh, if you're a spender and you know that you like to spend on things and you often find you're overspending, then why set yourself up for failure and why set yourself up for pain and heartache? So we can set you up with a debit card in an account, and we call that account your go for gold account. And you can shop till you drop or until the card says, no more, Decline. decline. Okay, so that's one way that you can actually set things up to help you, okay? And within a relationship, if you've got joint money, then you make sure that the person doesn't have the ability to to transfer the money into the accounts easily. It's a little bit difficult because the banks can't stop you accessing your money. So it takes control for you guys within the relationship to actually be able to manage that. And it's about having the conversation for the way you do it. Operating at different banks can also help. So you only put money across and you don't have the other bank where your main money is and your savings is on your phone or as the banking app. Problem is, we all have data on our phones and it's easy enough to download the app and then just do the transfer. And it's a number of times I've seen people standing at the till And they've gone to do the transaction. It's like, oops, not enough money. One moment, please. And they stand there in their banking app and they transfer the money across from their savings account into their everyday account, which is connected to their card, and boom, they're away. Great that they don't feel embarrassed, they've got the money there, but it's actually not helpful for them in terms of their lifestyle and them helping to meet their goals. So, spenders versus savers, it gets complicated. So, where does the money go? We can spend our money on lots of different things. Whether it be utilities, rent, or a mortgage, power, gas, phone, internet, child support, travel, gifts, debt, subscriptions. Whether that be Spotify, Neon, Disney, Netflix, clothing and shoes. Groceries, and there's several different types of groceries. We've got the essential groceries, and then we've got the extras. Entertainment, and entertainment can take all sorts of forms. It might be a sport or a hobby. It might be extra time down at um, uh, the local pub or at local events. It could be a club activity that you do. Bank fees, something we often forget about. And some of the credit card fees that we have are quite expensive. So again, it's about choosing the right resources for you to make sure you're in the right, right accounts. KiwiSaver. It's not an expense, but it's where money goes. Okay? Savings. Who'd have thought? Health and personal care. Insurances. Sports and hobbies. If you own a house, you'll have rates. If you own a house, you'll have house maintenance to do. You might have a gardener. You might have a cleaner. Pets. There's lots of things that our money goes places where our money goes out. Regardless of how much you earn, whether it be hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether it be sixty thousand dollars, whether it be just just you surviving on the benefits we still have a choice about where our money goes. If we choose to spend all our money on eating out instead of paying our rent, we may find ourselves without a rental. So the choices that we make at every stage can, have, will have, can and will have consequences. The consequences may be different depending on what you, earned, what you earn. In the situation around the pandemic, there were uh, airline pilots that were earning over 300k a year They were living within their means. Suddenly, they lost their jobs, and they were finding themselves surviving on the Job Seeker benefit, living a three hundred thousand dollar lifestyle within their means down to six hundred dollars or eight hundred and ninety nine dollars a week if they were in that top, if they qualified for that top bracket. Okay. They were doing nothing wrong at the time that they got the debt or the cars or anything else, okay? So there can be lots of different reasons that we find ourselves in those situations. So when you're working with Building on Basics, we start by doing a, um, by using a spreadsheet, which we call Quick Numbers. And it helps us to, to get a bit of an idea about where you're spending your money. We take a look at when you earn income, and what the different sources of income are. We take a look at uh, if there's one, two, three people in the household that are bringing in the money, and we can adjust the spreadsheet to, to suit. And we take a look at what they're bringing in, whether it be weekly, fortnightly, monthly, quarterly, half yearly or annually. And we total up all the different source, sources of income. Then we divide that by 52, 26 and 12 to figure out what that breakdown comes comes down to in a weekly, fortnightly or monthly basis. We do exactly the same with all our outgoings and our expenses. And we've got a full list of expenses there. So whether it be childcare, nanny, child support payments, bank fees, subscriptions, rates, all of those things that we talked about earlier. And we say, when were we spending what? for these things. So we might pay um, uh, our rates on a quarterly basis. So we put what our rates are on a quarterly basis. We might be paying our rates on a weekly basis to help with with our cash flow to make sure we stay on top of our rates. For our vehicle, we might be spending a certain amount on a weekly basis and then on a quarterly basis or a half yearly basis, we might do the servicing of our vehicle. On an annual basis, we have our car registration. Depending on the age of our vehicle, we have a warrant fitness. fitness. Okay? On an annual basis, we might do some sort of maintenance on our car, whether it be an oil or, or a service change. Or, and we need to be putting aside money towards the replacement of tyres and the wear and tear. Okay? So could be things like groceries, where we spend $150 a week on our groceries. But there's three of us in the family... So on a quarterly basis we um, do a special dinner for birthdays. So on a quarterly basis we spend an extra hundred dollars in that, that week for all the for the week's celebrations of the birthday. Then there's that surprise that comes every year, Christmas. We might do something special around the Christmas time because we have lots more barbecues or um, friends around and family over and we' all or if we're not Having people around, we might be going to people's places and we might be taking extra food. So we budget that into our spending plan. And then what it works out is to what we need to be setting aside on a weekly, fortnightly or monthly basis. We look at our expenses as to what they are on a weekly, monthly basis and what our total is. And we would hope when people are doing this with their first stab at what they're spending, that the surplus is positive. Often people, as they start to verify the numbers, find out they're actually overspending because they haven't taken into account their taxes or they haven't taken into account that some of the annual bills come through and they don't have room for those payments. They don't know that they're overspending because the timing of the annual payments are coming at different times during the year And so um, they've had enough surplus money there to be able to pay for them. Christmas is one of those crunch times that people often find that they, oops, are spending more than they thought. One of the other things we do at Building on Basics is using the same spreadsheet is to take a look at the net worth. So net worth is your assets less your liabilities. And we take a look at this on a monthly basis. And what we get people to do is take a look at their KiwiSaver, any savings or investments and assets they've got, and then take a look at all the money they owe, whether it be credit cards, um, mortgages, debts, loans, student loans, any of their liabilities. It might be a family loan that they've got in there as well. And see that their net worth is increasing. If you're starting in a negative net worth position because you've got more uh, liabilities than you do have assets, then it's good to see that that debt is going down and that you're starting to build your, your worth. Because sometimes it's very difficult for us to be doing uh, tightening our belt and, and spending less if we can't see the benefit of this, of that tightened budget or that spending less. We need to know that what we're doing is taking us towards our financial goals. There's nothing more satisfying for somebody than when they go from that in the red and uh, their liabilities are outweighing their uh, assets to that time where their assets begin to outweigh their liabilities. So using sorted.org.nz, which is one of the great resources that are out there, you can take a look at the... um, They talk about the difference between essential costs or expenses... And discretionary costs. Discretionary means that you've got a little bit more choice than you would think. Okay? So an essential cost might be your mortgage or your rent. You need to keep a roof over your head. You need somewhere to live. Food, power, gas, utilities to actually heat your home. So that could also include firewood. Transport costs. If you've got a job or you're a student, you need to be able to get places and what's more, life is about living. You're going to need to get places you can't hold up at home. School. If you've got kids then um, or you're studying yourself, you'll have um, costs that are associated with, with that education. Insurance. Insurance, many people think, is discretionary. Insurance is about paying a premium or a fee to transfer the risk to an insurance company to pay out if an event occurs. If you don't have contents insurance and your rental burns down or your home and you don't, and you need to use a give a little page and be reliant on charitable support from others to replace your clothes and things and all your possessions that you've worked so hard to acquire then you could find yourself in trouble. If you have a car and you have a car loan and you have an accident and the car is written off and you're still responsible for paying the car loan even though you no longer own the car. These are all reasons for having insurance okay i'm talking about insurance now but we're not going to go into it any further it is a topic for another day so what is within your control what is not within your control food as a discretionary item is things like takeaways do you take your lunch to school or to work or do you buy takeaways what sort of food budget are you using? And there's programs like Eat, Eat Well for Less that give us great tips on how to to use our money. Entertainment. Do we go out and have lots of coffees with our friends or do we go to each other's places and have a tea and a coffee at each other's places? Okay. Alcohol. For some, there's no problem with, with um, having the odd tipple but for others, the, the, the odd tipple becomes quite a lot, and um, there's a lot of money that can be spent on alcohol. So again, it's not about making judgments. It's about using the resources we've got and making sure that we're using in them in the way that we want. Similar with cigarettes or vaping. Okay? For some people, the addiction doesn't give them much choice. Okay, but there are things that you can use And um, programs that are there To support people to break those habits If you so wish Extra debt So we're talking about um, After pays We're talking about Our pay, we're talking about lay-by We're talking about having things on our Gem Visa cards and our Q cards That we've, Where we've spent money because we had to have it And now we've actually Got to pay it back if we pay them back within the interest-free period, then okay, that may work. But if we're paying the 25, 26 and the penalties for not paying them on time, then that's not going to be very helpful for us. Pay TV. For some, is essential as part of their childcare entertainment, but for others, it's a choice. Okay, subscriptions like Spotify, having the premium version versus, and, having, and not having to listen to ads versus having the, the free version where you listen to the odd ad and it's just a minor inconvenience in terms of what you're doing. No ads. No ads. <laughs> listen to Plains FM.
0: It's free. It's free.
1: Once we've worked out what's essential and what's discretionary, what are we doing with our surplus? Do we actually have a surplus? For many, they don't, and there's no choice. And the, things that they, the options they've got is that they need to earn more money because there's nowhere that they can cut their spending because they're barely surviving. And we all know about charities like Kids Can and um, Salvation Army that are, and the City Missions that are out there helping people to survive because they're not earning enough. Some people are on benefits uh, with health or disability allowances. They've got no choice. There's not much that they can do. And there are others that do have the choice and they've got the surplus funds there that they can use on travel. might be for a new car. It might be towards doing some renovations on their house or some planned maintenance that they want to do on their house. It might be savings towards retirement. And what is Retirement. Is it the retreat from the world or is it just about having more choices in terms of the way you spend your time when you stop working and for because you must and start working because you choose to and, and how you choose to use your time? Is it for debt reduction of those personal loans, those credit cards or your mortgage and getting debt free from, from, um, and becoming debt free? Or is it my favourite, fun? Okay. Savings, what are savings? Savings is setting aside money with an intent to spend it on something later down the track. We might be saving for the car, we might be saving for the holiday, we might be saving for retirement. But savings is often a a step towards spending. So as a spender, you can think of savings as an intent to spend, uh, but it's just deferred uh, enjoyment of that spend. I've once heard this term called emergency funds. Is it the same as? <laughs> You're reading my slides, so the question is: What about emergency funds? Is that like savings? <laughs> so the next the next step we're going to talk about is: If you um, so, what is emergency savings, and why would we why do we need them? So let's imagine we're working and everything's all going well and good and then we trip over on the footpath and we break our leg and we can't go to work yay in New Zealand we've got ACC Accident Compensation Corporation and they will pay 80% of our income hang on a minute 80% of our income what happens to the other 20% if we were using every dollar in our spending plan of our income and we don't have that extra 20% surplus of in, our, in our savings, then how are we going to manage our spending plan? Our lifestyle is going to be reduced well, because we're going to have to cut our costs. Okay? If we've got insurance, we might have insurances that allow us to get that extra 20% back and we might, be, uh, might, might not be a problem but it depends on whether you've got the appropriate insurances. There are lots of different reasons when emergencies happen. It might be that our income has stayed the same, but the washing machine has broken down and we have to replace the washing machine. It could be that the car breaks down or needs a repair or needs a new set of tyres and we haven't quite saved enough for those extra set of tyres. Okay? Emergency, fund, uh, emergency funds are really important for us to be able to live. Too many New Zealanders are in a situation where they're living paycheck to paycheck. Some people have paycheck to paycheck. So I get paid on a Tuesday and I have just enough money to, to last me till next Tuesday when I get paid again. It could be that um, for some people they have more week than they do have pay. So they get paid on the Thursday but they've run out of money by Tuesday. Okay? Okay and there's a lot of people in that situation. Pandemics, floods, all sorts of reasons why people, people can find themselves needing to draw on those emergency funds. Here's some stats just to scare you. Household, and these stats are from the end of June 2019, so it's before the pandemic even. The average annual household income gross, so before tax, was 102613 The average household disposable income after tax and transfer payments where they might have been transferring between one count and another was $81,934. The average weekly mortgage interest decreased from $88.50 to $80, down 9.6%. We're now in a cycle where the interest rates are starting to go up so we'll be looking to see that reversed over the coming years. We've been in that really low interest rate cycle for a very long time and it's been great for us to be able to take advantage of that. But there's going to be some people that are reliant on those 2, 2.5% interest rates and they're starting, going to be paying 3, 4% and that's going to cause them Um, big distress in their household income because their incomes will not have gone up by that 2%. And even if they have, the other expenses like food, etc. has gone up and they're not able to equate at all into the extra payments. In June 2019, 31% of households spent 30% or more of their income on housing costs. Now, we know from news uh, reports that this is more than that for most households these days. So that that percentage um, has gone up. Both the number of households and the, the amount that they've spent as a percentage has gone up. These are scary numbers. Right, so we talked about having a spending plan and working out how we're doing it. So there's a heap of different tools out there that you can use to help you with your spending plan. Sorted.org.nz is a government resource which has a budgeting tool. And it allows you to go in there and set up your own little login and you can set your budgeting up. You can even then go in and put your details in to then measure your spending versus your, your budget. Banks, many of the banks have tools that you can use within their bank internet banking apps. ANZ has the Financial Wellbeing Programme. ASB has Track My Spending. BNZ has a number of different uh, applications that if you were them, Track My Spend, Track Your Spend and Manage Your Cash Flow. Westpac have CashNav. Do you have to belong to those banks? You have to, you have to belong to those banks to actually be able to use those apps. So if you're banking with uh, a different bank and they don't have an application, then uh, you could find yourself trying to manage it some other way. So one of my favourite people is Booster, and they have an app called My Budget Pal, and it doesn't matter who you bank with, and it doesn't matter if your KiwiSaver is not with Booster, it doesn't matter if you have no investments with Booster, the My Budget Pal Allows you to track everything. But we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute. Is that an app or is that a website? It's a website and an app. You can do it both. Yep. So you can have it on your phone as an app or you can um, manage it through um, the Booster website. So let's take a look. BNZ. They've got You manage your cash flow or track your spend. And what you can do there is you can set up the different categories for the way that you're spending money. So when we were talking earlier about the different categories and the ways that you can spend money or when we're talking about the building on basic spreadsheet for all the different items that you could be spending money on, then you can set up the category here to match your spending plan. You can uh, then compare your categories to get an understanding of where your money is coming going, where your money's going and where your money is coming in. So what it does is it, it starts to learn how you're paying. So if you're paying rent regularly, it will notice that you, you, that transaction was rent and it will um, automatically put future payments to that, to that provider as rent. It'll figure out that Countdown, New World, Pack and Save are all groceries and it will put them to groceries. Other things that you can um, you can set them up to, to code towards what you want. The Westpac one is similar. It gives you a spending history. It gives, allows you to set um, monthly targets. It gives you spending notifications if you spend over a certain amount. It allows you to split transactions to different, um, different categories. And you can customise your categories just like you can with the BNZ application. You can even do a daily summary of what you've got coming in and going out. Is there a lot of people that use these things? Um, There's more. So the question is, are there a lot of people that use these tools? Uh, You'd have to talk to the banks about that, but I think more and more people are starting to use them. Um, and it depends on whether you feel that you don't want to be tracked or traced in, in terms of what's going on. The banks can pretty much know anyway. When you go to do your lending, you know most of these things anyway. It helps you when you talk to your financial advisor about getting a loan if you know where your money's going, and they ask you painful questions like um, how much are you spending on insurance, how much are you spending on food. You can, you can know automatically. The problem is um, if you have money at two or more banks or you, how do you manage it then because you've got part, part of the story at one bank and part of the story at another bank and this is why Booster is one of my favourites. With Booster you are able to set up links to your bank accounts for whichever bank you go to. And it's all done through secure channels. So you enter in your um, online banking access, set up the bank feed from that online access, and it automatically puts the information in from there. So you can, and then you can categorise it exactly like you can with the BNZ and a Westpac apps that I talked about. Okay. Um, or the ASB and the ANZ applications. So again, depends on which bank you're with as to which application it is um, that you would be using. With the booster one, they also look at uh, allowing you to track all your investments and all your liabilities like your student loans, uh, like your credit cards, any personal loans, you can set them all up. If you've got other assets uh, like um, shares, uh, investments, whether it be a savings pool that you've got going on within your community or um, money that you owe your, um, your parents. It could be your yacht, because we've all got a, um, a super yacht in our, in our assets, of course, um, that we, 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 we want to track. Just joking. Um, but, you know, whatever our assets are, whatever our liabilities are, we can, all, we can track it all through the um, My Budget Pal application. So is this a New Zealand? So um, Booster, yeah, Booster are a New Zealand company. They were previously called Grosvenor um, and they rebranded to Booster 10 or so years ago. They've been around for over, uh, since been over, around for over 20 years. And their specialty is an investment. And this is part of their giving back to New Zealand and um, helping with financial literacy and helping people do get ahead and understand their finances. And (coughs) so you don't have to pay for... Nope, free. Totally free. So Boosters, My Budget Pal, is a totally free service. And they're improving it all the time. So pretty much understanding your... Money, the money that's coming in and the money that's going out is really important. Using tools like um, My Budget Pal or um, using a, a spreadsheet, using your own bank app, or and a combination of spreadsheets, whatever method is going to work for you. At building on basics, one of the things that we do is we take. those those spending plans. We use those tools to then help you set up the systems with with the bank accounts and your cards, uh, whether it be a credit card or a debit card, to actually help enable you to reach your financial goals. So a spending plan or a budget is all about setting up your conscious spending of the money. Okay, We earn money to spend. Whether we're spending it today or intending to spend it in 30 years time when we want to have more choice in retirement whether we're wanting to spend it in two days time for food and groceries whatever we we're looking to use the money for when we're looking to to spend that money it's all based on what our goals are so if you don't know what you want then you'll just go through and fritter your money away but if you know what you want then you can set up plans to help you to achieve what you're looking for the sort of lifestyle you want when you when you retire.
2: I've got a question, I think I could have asked this at the beginning. So this is about the overseas income that you are having. If you have any overseas income,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and if you are getting that money down here, mm-hmm. how it is being taxed? And if you don't bring that money here, uh, what will happen? Like.
1: Okay, so they still
2: need to like uh, declare, them to declare a that. declare that certain amount
1: of. So. Income? So that's a, that's an accounting question uh, and, and a tax question. Um, any money that comes into New Zealand needs to be declared, and anything over ten thousand uh, dollars needs to be reported using uh, under the Anti-Money Laundering Counter-Finance Terrorism Act, acts. Um and.
2: Uh, is that ten thousand the cash you bringing at hand? Or
1: any electri- elect- el- electronically or cash. Um, anything over 10000 these is a reported event um, and that's why you see a lot of people do $9,900 to avoid them having to do the reporting um, where that becomes a problem is when you go to buy a house and get a loan and you've got you know $200,000 in the bank and it's been coming in in $9,000 uh, uh, installments and the banks want to know where did that money come from and uh, is that money come from a, a good source um, so it comes down to a reporting and how did you come up with that money so from the where is the money taxed in New Zealand we have um, um, tax agreements with different countries and sometimes we get taxed at the source in one country and we get credits in New Zealand and sometimes we get taxed in New Zealand and the credits go back to the other country so it depends on which countries you're talking about and what the tax rules are between those two countries. Um, if you have paid tax overseas, um, then uh, I think there's only a few countries where we get taxed over there and get taxed on the money in New Zealand, so you've got the double double taxation and there's different rules that you need to work with your accountant for the way that the money moves between the, the countries. Does it depend on whether you are a New Zealand resident or not? Depends on whether, um, so again, that's a, an accounting question, but it will depend on where you're tax resident, whether you're a tax resident in New Zealand or tax resident overseas. These are good questions. Unfortunately, they're accounting questions, so I'm not, I'm not able to answer them 100%. So, yeah. So it's going to, uh, and this is, again, we talked at the beginning about um, specific advice versus generic advice, which is what we're working on in these, in these workshops. So that's the topic today, spending plans and budgets, and I hope you've got some use out of today's session. You guys have been great.
0: You've been listening to Elise Vine, financial advisor from Building on Basics. Finance Made Easy is a podcast series about personal finance made with funding from the Ministry of Social Development. Podcasts are available on the Plains FM website, Spotify and Apple Podcasts.